Um, I'm going to talk to you guys, so you guys are free to talk back, like, whatever. It doesn't have to be just me talking. Um, you guys all, this, this is a school, right? Um, do you guys all go to school here, or is it for younger grades? Oh, okay. Um, do you... <laughs> uh, who's, who's, how old are you? Uh, Twelve. Twelve. Who's the oldest besides uh, you guys? How old are you? 16. 16, awesome. Okay, that's pretty cool. So in between 12 and 16, right? Cool, cool. Oh, 13, when you turn 13? Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I turn uh, 21 tomorrow. So, yeah, it's almost my birthday. That's pretty exciting for me. <laughs> in America, yeah. Uh, so uh, Daniel asked me to share with you guys. Um, which is me and Daniel are pretty close friends because we both run, and that's uh, pretty much all we have in common. But uh, <laughs> we do text a little bit, and he asked me to share. Um, as he, he introduced me, my dad's uh, Pastor Murphy, and first uh, he asked me to share my testimony, and then I kind of want to go into uh, sharing a little bit about uh, Christianity and like the ebbs and flow of Christianity. I don't know how, much, how recently some of you got saved, how recently you guys have been here, or whatever, but I'm going to talk to you guys. Um, you guys can just talk to me back. If you guys want to say anything, just shout it out. I'm totally okay with that. You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so my dad was, my dad's Pastor Murphy. Uh, he began uh, working at Open Door Baptist Church full time uh, since two months before I was born. And then when I, right, before, right after I turned uh, six years old, he became the full time uh, senior pastor there. So I've been raised in church ministry, full time ministry my entire life. And the church has really been like my second home, which allows me to have a very different uh, experience than most people. But it's a very unique experience. Uh, so for me, uh, my parent, my dad specifically, used to pray with uh, me and my sister every night. Typically, we'd go to her room and we'd always pray in there. But um, when I was around four, one time I was like, guys, let's pray in my room. Let's pray in my room because, you know, I don't know. Uh, so we went to, we prayed in my room, and this night it was special to me because we were praying in my room. So I was four years old, and you can barely remember stuff from when you were four years old. But when I was four, I started praying the sinner's prayer. I was like, I knew I'm a Savior just out of the blue without anyone like leading me to, just because I had heard it being talked about in junior church and whatever. I'd always been around it. And then after that day, my parents used to be like, hey, Micah, do you want to get saved? Obviously, right? Because that's what their desire for me is. And I would always argue, I'd be like, no, I got saved, I got saved, I got saved. And it was kind of like this back and forth thing. But then um, when I turned 12, I uh, made sure of my salvation again, because a lot of people, I don't know if you guys have this experience down here, but a lot of people that are uh, very churched people think that you have to be a certain age or whatever to get saved and blah, 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 blah. So there kind of was this pressure put on me. So then I made sure of my salvation because of other people, not because of in my heart I didn't know. But because, I mean, I love the verse in 1 John that says, uh, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on, son, uh, and that ye may believe on the Son of God. 
Uh, but if you guys brought your Bibles, we open to uh, Matthew 5, 13. That kind of wraps up my salvation story, um, but that doesn't really stop where Christianity goes in my life. You know, that's really just the beginning, is once you get saved, that's what opens you to this world of what Christianity is really like and what, where it can go. Uh, recently at my church, uh, this is kind of getting into the ebbs and flows and the highs and the lows. Um, recently in my church, we had our Young Adults Conference. Uh, our theme that year was that we're the salt and the light of the earth, which is why I had you guys open up to that verse. I'm going to open up there too. Actually, I'm going to have one of you guys read it. Uh, does someone want to read uh, Matthew 5, 13 and 14? Big and loud. Outdoor voices. Okay, I'm going to designate someone unless someone wants to. Josh, read it for us. And full as Jesus gave them leave. Okay, so this is the first night of our conference was a Thursday, which is our midweek service. I know most people don't do it because Thursday is not really the middle of the week, but that's that's how it is for us. And um, me and my dad both worked together to the best of our abilities to get all of the church people to come to the opening night of the conference because we were having it in our main sanctuary. And uh, you guys know Pastor Skelly, yeah. So uh, he was doing he was preaching our conference for us, and I was super excited. So we had a. Uh, we set up these, we made them with wood and cardboard, green paper, and like a bunch of little uh, just crafts. And we made these three putt-putt holes. We put them in the aisles of our church and then one on stage. And then I bought this thing for my camera so that we could live stream it to the big screens. Like, you know how they do that, like how they broadcast videos. And I was super excited. We had probably the biggest uh, Thursday night midweek service that we'd ever had in our church. And with that, a bunch of my friends uh, came. So I'm going to, my friend Evan, he was my best friend from ages 6 to 13. Um, he slept over at my house once, in, once a week for two and a half years straight. So like we were close. And then um, another friend, my friend Danny showed up. He was my best friend from 14 to 13. And then uh, Dax, Leo, and Grant. So these are like six of my best friends that I had at different points in my life. And it was super awesome to have them there. Then we had the putt-putt. We had Pastor Skelly. It was a great message, great service. And it was one of, probably in my personal Christian life, probably one of the highest moments I've ever had. Just everyone there. And I just I got to be fed from the message. I got to minister to my friends that were there. And then the reason I tell you guys all of this is because the rest of the conference was the lowest attended part of the lowest attended conference we've ever had. They, my friends didn't come back. Uh, many people that had signed up and registered to come just didn't show up. And it was, really, it was really tough to go from this high of highs to this low of lows. But that's kind of what it's like in the Christian life, you know. Um, the craziest part about it was because there were so, so few people there, not saying there was nobody there, but because there were less people there, it allowed me personally to not have to worry about making sure that I talk to everybody because our church is there so they can talk to other people. And then on top of that, it made it not as a high-pressure situation that everything ran smoothly because there's 
50 people there so I could just, we could just talk it out, you know, kind of like we're doing right now. But what that allowed was it allowed me to listen to Pastor Skelly as he preached um, the message. Open, flip over to Matthew 13, 44. Um, you guys know the story of uh, Martha and Mary when Martha was serving and uh, Mary, she was sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha comes over and she was like, hey, Jesus, tell her to help me. I'm trying to get everything ready. That's kind of how it was, except for I didn't have to be Martha. I got to be Mary. And Pastor Skelly preached this message, and I'm not going to give you guys this whole message because uh, we don't have time for that. But it was personally one of the messages that spoke to me more than anything has ever spoken to me. I'm going to read this first. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven, uh, verse 44, Matthew 13:44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hidden a field, the which when a man hath found it, he hideth. And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. And he really painted the picture. He, that's the only verse we turn to in the entire 20, 30 minute devotional. But he really painted the picture and he took it as like, he t- put the historical context and the biblical passage on what it means to get saved. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure, right? So us going to heaven, well, that would be us getting saved, right? So he looks at, us getting saved and as a man which hath found and hideth so what happens in I'm just going to paraphrase it really quick what happens what happened then in the historical time was a man would be walking through a field that wasn't his own and if he found something like a treasure he would bury it in that field not tell anybody about it right and then he'd go with everything he had and sell it And everyone would be like, hey, dude, why are you selling everything you have? Why are you giving your life away to buy this empty field? But to him, he knows that this field isn't empty. So then, once he sells everything, gets rid of all of his past possessions, and buys this field, everyone sees him, lifts out this treasure, and it's like, oh my gosh, that makes sense. But until that point where we all go to heaven, no one's going to ever understand why we do what we do. And that was kind of the crux of the message. Flip over to Hebrews 10.15, or Hebrews 10.25. But I heard that message, and it was just, it was so encapsulating what it really means to be saved. And that's just such an encouragement. Um, And before we read Hebrews 10.25, I want everyone to bow their heads and close your eyes, because I forgot to pray, and then keep your guys' heads uh, bowed, because I have questions that I want to ask you guys with your heads bowed. Um, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this time that you've given us. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given me to uh, speak, to try and edify everyone that's here. Um, thank them for coming. Uh, please give me the words to say as I continue to share what you've given me. And uh, your blessed name, amen. Okay, keep your heads down, keep your heads down. Okay, um, I'm going to keep my heads down too, so I'm not going to be looking at your answers. But um, I have a question. How many of you, raise your hand, if you want to be where you're at right now in church, raise your, just put your hand up, just slide it up. If you're happy to be where you are, if you're not happy, then just keep your hand down. And if you don't want to be here, that's fine too. Okay, now put your hand back down. Um, those of you who maybe are saved, maybe are not, this question is for everyone again. Uh, raise your hand if you want to be in church for me or you like church. Don't, don't lie because there's nobody looking but God, but uh, you like church enough and you'd be like, in one year, maybe I'm 14 now when I'm 15 years old, I still want to be here 
next uh, a year from now on this Sunday, I want to be in church because this is a place that I value and this is somewhere where I want to be. Just slip your hand, hand up. Okay, and then put your hands down. Um, just remember, this is just between you and God. Uh, lastly, who wants to be, I mean, there, I, go, I know all of you know senior saints, right? Who wants to be a senior saint? Who wants to grow old and eventually when we all pass away, or maybe the rapture happens, who wants to be the last thing that they do to be in church that Sunday before they die? Just slip your hands up. Okay, and then uh, put your hands down. Okay, and everyone look up. So I, I don't know what you guys said, but I know for me in my personal life, I think that because I'm safe, because I'm a Christian, Hebrews 10.25, which uh, this young man in the front is going to read to us, um, encapsulates uh what that, what that really means and why it's so important. Uh, well, you, want, you want to read Hebrews 10.25 to us? Yeah, okay. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, and then flip over to Matthew 11.2. And uh, I'm going to go into technically the first point, but there's only like one and a half points. Um, and that's being mindful of the low points in your Christian life. Matthew... Um, 11 is a great picture of that. So we talked about, I talked to you guys about how that was kind of discouraging for me was that there was just nobody there, but the opportunity that it allowed me. And do you guys, raise your hand if you know who John the Baptist is. John the Baptist, you guys know who John the Baptist is? Well, this passage actually talks about John the Baptist a little bit. Matthew 11:2 says, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he had sent unto his disciples and said unto him, Aren't thou that thou shouldest come, or do we look for another? So you see in verse 3, John the Baptist is like, Hey, say to the, ask the disciples if this is really the Messiah, or should we be looking for another person? John the Baptist, the person that just baptized Jesus Christ, and that saw the dove come down, saw the heavens open, say, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's the guy who just said, Hey, is this really the Messiah, or do we look for another? And I feel like right there, we all have to look at internally and be like, this guy was at a low point in his Christian life, so much to the point that he questioned whether or not everything he had given his life for, he's in prison now, everything he had given his life for was, super, was, was the truth. And I feel like that's why this point is be mindful of the low points in your Christian life. Um, not to brag on myself, but to use an example I didn't get to hear that message because I was encouraged by what was going on everywhere around me. The only reason I got to hear that message from Pastor Skelly was because I was discouraged. If I was encouraged, I would have been making sure this next event that's going to happen, everything else was going to happen perfectly so that everyone that came to our conference was going to get a blessing. But instead, I was discouraged, so I wasn't focused on everyone else. I was just focused on, okay, I guess I'm just going to sit in my seat and not worry about it because it really doesn't matter. And I was kind of throwing a little temper tantrum right there. And I was like, whatever, I guess I'm just going to sit here. Let's open to Matthew 14:34 or 13:44, whatever. We'll see what he says. And because of that, I got a blessing out of it. And then we see in verse 4, Matthew, Matthew 11, verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the leopards are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor having the gospel preached to them. So Jesus 
responds to John's questioning of him and says, yes, I am the Messiah. I am the person who you baptized, who God said, this is my beloved. Everything that you did in your life wasn't for nothing. And I feel like that's, that's what we want to be, make sure is that when we're at those low points in our Christian life, that we're always mindful of where he is because they're going to come. And then the, oh, flip over to, um, oh, wait, don't flip anywhere. I want to read verse 11 to you. Uh, verily, re, verse 11, Matthew 11, 11 and 11, make a wish. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of woman, hath there not risen a greater than John the Baptist? Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So it's, it's crazy that John the Baptist isn't just someone who baptized Jesus and all these things that I just said. He also is, by Jesus's, Jesus Christ's own mouth, the greatest human ever born. So then you have to ask yourself, if he's someone that can get low, of course I can. So then, if there's times that I can get low in my Christian life, the question is, what, what do we do about it, right? If you're going to have low times, how do you stay consistent in those times? And the answer is in the question. You stay consistent in all points of your Christian life. Flip over to uh, 2 Timothy 4.2, and we're going to talk about how you can stay consistent in your Christian life. Does someone else want to read 2 Timothy 4 2? Anyone? Anyone? You got it? Yeah. Awesome. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Yeah, so it's interesting. He says, preach the word, be instant, in season, and out of season. So, instant, in season, and out of season. So, there's good times, there's bad times, but you need to be consistent in those times. So, we know we're commanded to do it, and it's a very easy thing to be commanded to do something and to recognize the commandment. But then the question is, how do you do it? And in my personal life, I mean, I can't say that this works 100%, but I can tell you what I wish that I would have done when I was younger. I told you guys about my friends, um, and I told you when they were my best friends at different points in my life, but I didn't tell you why. And the reason is, is because they stopped coming to church. That's why I hadn't seen them in so long. Is there was different times where this friend would come, and then this friend would come, and there was times where I didn't have friends. There was times where I had many friends, you know. But what is crucial about that is I always wondered, why did this happen? Why did this guy leave when he left? Why did this guy leave when he left? Why did this guy leave when he left? And looking back on my life and something that I wish I would have cultivated more is talking about spiritual things. I think that's the number one most important thing in staying consistent in your Christian life. And I'm not talking about talking about spiritual things amongst yourself, reading your Bible. Of course, we know all that's great. But about just in your friends, with your friends is saying, hey, this guy said this during some lesson that we heard together. I mean, you guys all go from this service to the next service together, right? Right? Okay. Um, this is just making sure because that's how we do it. Um, is you go from this service to this and something he might share with you guys, you could be like, hey, that's actually a great thought. What did you think about this? You don't need to go up to your friend if you see him one time and be like, hey, so what did you get out of your Bible reading last week? You know, I mean, that's not a bad question, but it's kind of a convicting question because if someone's not reading their Bible, now you convicted them and there's nothing wrong with that because open rebuke is better than secret love. But 
be encouraging and edifying as the verse tells us to is something that I wish that I would have done with my friends when they were there. I think that many reasons that they left is because we, did, we cultivated having fun. We would play video games, play basketball, play sports. Uh, they would go to school. They would hang out with me right after because my house is a mile from the school. So they'd come over right after. We'd hang out all day and night. And we'd have fun. We cultivated fun things together. But eventually, you have fun doing one thing for a long enough time. Eventually, it's no longer as fun as it used to be. And then you go and look for something else to be that fun thing. But if you make your relationship with each other about more than just having fun together, it allows for there to be a deeper meaning in your relationship and allows for your friends to stay rooted and grounded more in the church. And then, so that second thing I think about staying consistent all the time in your Christian life, all of you guys have already passed, is just staying in church. Uh, we already looked at Hebrews 10.25, but not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. I don't even need to touch on that point. But open your Bibles to, let's go to James uh, 1.22. That's going to be um, the last little thing that we look at. Um, but while you guys are turning to James, I'm going to read Galatians 6, 9 to you because I have it here. Oops. Galatians 6, 9 uh, says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I mean, that's just a verse that talks about staying consistent in the highs and the lows or the ebbs and the flows. Uh, and then the last one is just do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, leads you to do, whatever you want to say. Uh, you want to read James uh, 1.22 for us? But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Yeah, so it's just about being, being the best way to be consistent is to do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do, you know? Sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell you, hey, this spoke to you, Ask your friend if it spoke to him or this person right here, they're struggling and they need you. And you can't tell that in amongst yourself, but the Holy Spirit can guide you to do that. And then in conclusion, I'm going to tell you guys a little story um, about running because that's uh, it's, uh, kind of the only thing I've ever been known for. Uh, but I said, I'm a long distance runner and the training cycles that we go through in distance running is very similar to the Christian life. In the middle of a training cycle, Typically, I'm having the best workouts, but not racing the best. And to give you guys an example from my past cross-country season, I ran a 5 by 1600 meter workout with 90 seconds rest. For each 1600, I ran uh, 452 or faster, and my fastest was 444. Uh, fast forward to 10 days later, and I had a race, and it was a big race. It was important for how we would be ranked in the standings in our national league or whatever, whatever you want to say. Um, and on that day, I ran uh, 25.54 for an 8K. It was an important day, and I was absolutely devastated. I don't think I talked for three to four hours. I was really mad because I didn't do what I needed to do for our team to get ranked to where we needed to be ranked. Um, fast forward one month later, and we started a little bit easier portion of our training cycle. And one of my workouts was 6 by one k at 3 flat to 305 pace. Five days after that workout, so even a shorter time period after this workout, I ran 24.54 for 8K, so exactly one minute faster. And I was like, I just ran so much better than I ran when I was, I was having better workouts, racing worse, and you just exactly, um, the Christian life acts very similar. 
Many times you're in your Bible, you're praying, but trials and tribulations or bad things are just happening. And you're like, I'm doing absolutely everything that I'm supposed to be doing. And yet I messed up here. This person yelled at me for no reason here. I got in trouble for doing this. And I guess I shouldn't have done it, but oh, well, this, all these bad things are happening. You're like, but I'm in my Bible, I'm praying, and I'm doing everything that I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. And that's exactly what I felt. I was like, I ran this workout, I did this run, and I, I should be performing to a, a higher level where I need to be performing. But you have to say, hey, uh, I'm doing my absolute best to stay close to God, I'm still getting punished for it. Then later in your life, you'll start to receive some blessings from God. You know, I would have never ran what I ran. I would have never ran 24-54 if I didn't run 25-54. If I didn't run those hard workouts, if I didn't go through those trials and tribulations, I would have never got to reap the blessing or even see the blessing. If I never had a bad race, you'd never know what a good one feels like. And that's kind of the same way it is in our Christian life. You never know what a blessing is if you've never been through a trial or a tribulation. And that's kind of where the whole message is kind of put together as the ebbs and flows of Christianity. Sometimes there'll be times when you're like, this is a blessing. Having all my friends show up, having that Thursday night was packed. To me, I was like, this is a blessing. This is God blessing all the work that we've put in for this conference. But the true blessing that I can look back and see was that message I got to hear from Pastor Skelly from Matthew 13, 44. Because that renewed my spirit. And that, that's all I have to share with you guys today. Thanks for listening.